0: I am Tim Rogers, lead pastor here at Grace Point Church. Um hey, we're really glad to have you with us this morning. Thanks for making it out. I uh, appreciate your presence with us. Uh, and we hope, as every Sunday morning, um, that Mary doesn't preach. No, I mean, we hope, as in every Sunday morning, that you're <laughs> encouraged by your time with us and refreshed and renewed in your faith and your walk. And if you are here this morning and you don't know... Um, really about Jesus or you're not really sure about your place uh, in terms of God and you know do I believe him or not hey we're glad to have you here uh, just exploring and and connecting with us in relationship we're glad to have you thanks for being here this morning Um, we you have landed here in the final part of a four-part series that we're doing called deeply rooted and this series springs from one of the core values that we have at Grace Point Church we have seven of them and the one of them that we talk about that kind of has driven this series is this value, as we state it here that is, this that at the beginning, middle, and end of the day, God is in charge, and what he wants goes. Awesome, good. At the beginning, middle, and end of the day, God is in charge and what he wants goes. And with every core value, we try to lay with it a corresponding question so that we can reflect on that value and not just say, well, isn't that a nice value? But rather, how is my life now lived in reflection on that? And so every core value, we have a corresponding question. And our question with this one goes this way. How much authority am I willing to give God and his word in my life? How much authority, as I think about that value of this body that at the beginning, middle, and end of the day, God is in charge and what he wants goes. And then my question and reflection to that is how much authority am I willing to give God and his word in my life? Which is a really big question, isn't it? I mean, that's a huge question. How much authority am I willing to give God and his word and his life, in my life? Because he's not going to overtake you sometimes to do what he wants. He's going to work with your will, okay, in obedience to accomplish his glory and his purposes. And here's what we know. We've said this uh, already in this series that as much as we say that I'm committed to the things of God or maybe you know I've, I've made a commitment that I'm going to believe in God and move forward with him, that we always because we're humans we have an ebb and flow in every commitment that we have, right? Right? I'm committed to my sports team until they begin losing, right? We've covered this material before if you've been with us. Yeah, I'm with the Phillies until they tank and then I'm not really, yeah, I don't really want to go spend my money and see them anymore, right? Same deal with marriage, right? I mean, hey, we're committed and then there were some hard times and I mean, I'm still kind of lucid, but I'm not as committed as I was and then I need to be recommitted to people, renew their vows and things like that. That there's ebbs and flows to every commitment. You're committed to your work until there's another job offer that's a little better, and then you're committed to that job offer, right? I mean, they're just kind of ebb and flow. So the question that we have about commitment on this series in particular is finally this. How am I responding right now to God and his word? Okay, if you've ever made a commitment and said, I kind of want to live my life oriented around the truth of God and the value of God, the question now is put before us as in this moment now. How am I responding right now now, as you stop the process of your life and say, right now, how am I responding to God and his word? Right now, right now. And we have landed in this, this series called Deeply Rooted, and here's our, the idea of it right over here, is this little seed that's planted and begins to get root and begins to grow. And this is coming off a parable that Jesus teaches in the Gospel of Matthew. In a few minutes we'll turn there, but here's what you know, if, if you know anything about this parable you've been with us, is that there are three different soils, if you will, that we've covered so far, with the fourth one this this morning. The first soil we covered was the soil in which the seed lands on the what? The, the path. Good, yeah, I saw some of you actually mouthing that, that was awesome. The seed lands on the path. And then the seed doesn't ever penetrate the path because it's too hard, right? And so what happens to the seed is that the birds come and, and take away the seed. And we said that really represents the hard heart. In other words, I know there's something that's true, but I'm, I don't want to obey or respond to it right now. I, I'm not ready right now to receive that truth. And here's what we've all experienced, that when we reject what we know is right or true to do, it becomes easier to do that a second time, right? It becomes easier if you fudge your taxes last year to do it again this year right because you didn't get caught yet and it's easier to, to do to go to log on to that site again a second time after you've done it the first time because no one really knew you did that yet right and so when we step into things that we know are not quite right what Jesus says happens is that the evil one, okay, takes away the seed of truth. So the truth lands on a hard heart. We continue to kind of harden our heart, and the truth doesn't penetrate below. So this is the first soil. The second soil that this seed lands on in Jesus' teaching is the, the soil has what in it? Rocks. Yeah, it's a rocky soil. And we've said there, and Jesus will explain that parable there, saying that the, the rocky soil stands for people who kind of... Um, go through hard times and they don't know what to do, um, that the, the, uh, the, the seed is kind of, the, the difficult stuff of life kind of pushes out the, the seed and people go through difficulty and they think, well, the way I thought about God isn't really true, therefore I'm going to kind of push back from God and uh, the third soil that we saw last week was, what was in that? Thorns, thorns. That the stuff of this life, the anxieties of this life kind of push out my faith in God. That growing up right alongside my stated faith in God are these thorns in the things of life. In other words, this real temptation that we have to look at money and resource resources as a place where we should and could lay our trust. That if only I had a little bit more The things that are out of control could be under control, right? If only I had a little bit more, I could make the payment, I could get the thing, I wouldn't have the worry, I wouldn't have the anxiety, the things that are out of control would be in control if only I had more resources, okay? And this is the thorns of life that come in and kind of push out the truth of God. Now, finally today, we're in the fourth soil, and if you know anything about the parable, um, the parable finally ends in a good note, and it ends with the parable of the, the, the soil that's good soil. And in good soil, I mean, you know what happens to seeds in good soil, right? I mean, they they what? They grow. They sprout. They grow, and they become fruitful. This is normal, right? It's normal when you buy seed, you plant it in good soil, you expect it to grow and produce fruit. If you didn't expect that, you wouldn't buy it in the first place, right? So the seed, the final soil we have today is the good soil. And here's the deal for us, is it's very simple for us to see how this works, because all of us are oriented to think this way about our lives in one way, shape, or form. So for example, let me put it this way. Imagine, just for a moment, um, asking maybe a young child around you or someone in your family, your own child or grandchild or niece or nephew or something like that, this very common question that we ask kids, what is it that you want to do when you grow up? Right? You've asked that or been asked that? What do you want to do when you grow up? And what, what do kids say? Give me some responses. What do they say? Fireman. Is that what I heard? Yeah. What's that? Doctor. Doctor. Yep. What else? Superman. Superman. Yep. Wonder Woman. Yep. What else? A teacher. Right? Astronaut. Yeah. Athlete. Soccer player. Basketball player. Ever hear that? Football player. Huh? I want to be a musician. Yeah. How many of you ever heard a kid say, Legitimately now, okay, not a, not a junior high kid who's beginning to be jaded, okay, but I'm talking about a little kid, okay, little, little, little kid. I want to go to prison. I, I want to be a lifetime criminal. Now, I, I want to grow up and, and have an affair and leave my family. Because here's what is common to our experience is that we assume, and we have this experience from little on up, that our future can be better than our present, and certainly better than our past. That we expect, and we kind of have this hopeful future, that a seed gets planted in little Junior, when he sees NASA lift off, sees a space shuttle lift off, and sees the... jets thrust off there and the astronaut land on the moon. Man, that would be awesome to do that. And a little seed is planted. He's like, ah, maybe I could do that and grow to be something more than I am. They watch TV or whatever. They see the X Games, the BMXers. They see the skateboarders. They see the the athletes doing what they do. Man, that would be awesome. I mean, I can only jump this high right now, but maybe if I keep trying, I can jump like this high, you know. I mean, get... And then maybe I could. And there's this general hope that we all have from little on up that our future will be more fruitful or productive than our present. The only exception I think we have, even as adults now, two things. One, we now know that we're not going to be Superman, right? We now realize we're not going to be Superman or Wonder Woman, but the other exception we have to this is our health. I think as adults now, we have, we have that category of, yeah, you know, my future health may not be quite as good as my present health. Exception to that only. Is it not true that all of us kind of think and hope, man, the future holds more for me than the present? Financially, I'm hopeful that I'll be more financially sound in five years, ten years, than I am right now. Isn't it true that we all kind of think, Somehow it's going to work that relationships are going to be stronger and better for me in in a few years. I'm going to know more people. I'm going to network more. And I'm going to, at the very least, maintain the people I have. And no one is going to be upset with me. I'm not going to lose friendships in the next couple of years. By and large, things will just get better. By and large, things will also kind of get better with me spiritually. Somehow, and I don't know how it's going to work, but maybe just by coming to church or hearing someone talk about church, that maybe somehow I'll get better spiritually. And and maybe somehow I'll get kind of closer to God because I have this view that the future holds something better than the present. But you've also heard it said, and you've heard it, it said particularly related to careers, that when you're climbing the ladder of corporate success, you want to make sure that the ladder is leading against the right building, right? Because how many of you have known people who have gotten to the top of the corporate ladder, if you will, And realize, you know what, this is in the wrong place. This is not as cool and helpful and great as I thought it was. Experience the regret of a future that we thought was better than the present, but actually was off-center. And this morning, what I want to tap into for us is this idea. That for all of us, we have this general hope, and it's often not verbalized. It's often not verbalized. That there is a future. There's In the future, I will continue somehow to grow. I will continue somehow to step into good things. I will kind of get better holistically than I am now. And this is what often keeps you going. In fact, you know this is true because when you feel discouraged or depressed, at a Monday morning blues kind of depressed, It's often because you've lost hope in a future that is better than the present. And it's then when you think, oh, everyone else is more encouraged than I am. And I feel out of step with everyone else around me because everyone else must be able to handle the stresses of life that I right now cannot handle. In other words, as soon as I can, I need to get back on the train that everybody else is on. It says the future is better than the present. Because being discouraged is not cool. It's not fun. It's not, excuse me, a good place to be. So my question for us this morning is, what in the world, if this generally holds true for us, what in the world, if you want to use the ladder illustration, what are we leaning our ladder up? What what building are we leaning our ladder against when it comes to where we think and how we think we're going to grow spiritually. How in the world are we going to grow in our faith in the future? In other words, is it good enough for us just to come and hear and participate now and then in the things of God? What does it look like for the seed that's planted in good soil to grow and produce a crop? What in the world does that look like for us? And how can we be sure that we are Planting, if you will, are planted in the right spot. What does the future look like? Because here's what I'm afraid will happen for us. That without reflection on this, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that our lives will be invested and spent just kind of vaguely hopeful that somehow my faith will be strengthened without a plan or a focus for how I'm going to multiply the gift of God in my life and that by the time your life comes to an end, you will look back and you will say, why wasn't I more fruitful? Why wasn't my family more impacted by my faith? Why is it that my kids are doing this and doing that? Why, was, why isn't my business model reflecting more of the grace and glory of God? And why is it that that business model got it, and why, why didn't I get it? My concern for us is that without stopping to think about how is my soil working, that we're going to miss this. Now, let me say this finally, and then we're going to get into the text. Um, If we had to choose, if we had to choose what soil we'd be in, and we had four soils so far, we have the path and the rocks and the thorns and the good soil. Uh, Most of us this morning would not... If we look at the, the first three, and we call them successes or failures, most of us would have to say the first three are kind of failures, right? Like, yeah, that that, yeah, that, that didn't work. The path didn't work. Boy, that person who rejects the truth, that's kind of a failure. The rock, and mm, they're not solid and deep enough. That's kind of a failure. And the thorns, boy, that's kind of a failure, too. You're kind of not trusting God. And then... If I had to put myself somewhere, and I'm not going to raise my hand if you were to ask me to raise my hand, but you know, I generally kind of feel like I'm trusting God. You know? I generally feel like I'm in a good soil. Most of us, if we had to choose, if we had to put ourselves somewhere, if you are anywhere in the range of someone who says, I want to trust God with my life, you'll put yourself in the good soil. Right? Now, you'll also say this, though, because you're... I know you'd say this because I'm going to say this. <laughs> and that is, I would say, yeah, but even if I'm in the good soil, I'm not as good as somebody else. Like, I'm not going to claim that I'm better than anybody else. I'm just, I mean, I have all of this as a part of my life, right? There's places in my life that are hard, places in my life that are rocky, and places in my life that are thorny. But kind of overall, I'm hoping that my life is, is it the good soil? And my my question for us is as we look at this, as we look at the good soil, not so much um, what are other people doing around me, but rather what is it that I can do for God within my life? So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 23 will be our single verse for this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one around you in the pew near you. You can turn to the first book in the New Testament. That's about two-thirds of the way through the Bible to the Gospel of Matthew. And there you'll find our parable right in there, Matthew chapter 13. And by the way, if you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you this morning And um, we hope that you can take that with you and read that and enjoy learning more about who God is there. Right? Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. Jesus is now explaining the parable and he says this, verse 23, speaking to his disciples. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times... What was sown, it produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. One of the things that we have said throughout this series is that every soil condition, there's one thing that's consistent in every one. Everyone hears the word, right? Everyone hears the message. The the path people, the rock people, the thorn people, the good soil people, all hear the word, right? There's something different in the parable of the seed when it comes to the good soil. Look at it there again in verse 23. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who, what? Hears the word and then what? Understands it. Back it up in the text of verse 13. Matthew 13, verse 13 through 15. Jesus is speaking here and he says, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see, and though hearing, they do not hear, or what? In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never, what? For you will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, what? Understand with their, what? Hearts. And turn and I would heal them. The parable of the good, the parable of the soils related to the good soil is really all of a sudden the, so, the seed has come down and penetrated the head, it's gone through the mind, and it's come down to the heart for understanding. For the first time, I move beyond the hardness of I don't trust God to, in hard times, I walk away from God to um, the worries of life, I trust money more than God to, okay, all of a sudden. The truth of the seed of God comes through my mind and lands in my heart. Now, the question is this. The, the person who does this, back to verse 23. The one who received the seed and fell on good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it. And what does he do? Read the last statement with me. He produces a crop, read this with me, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. He produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So this is, this is the ultimate litmus test, okay? If I want to say that my life is in the good soil and the seed of God has somehow landed in the good soil, Jesus says, okay, he produces a crop yielding 100, 60, and 30 times what was sown. That's pretty significant, isn't it? Whatever is sown in you is then produced and the result is a multiplication beyond you 160 or 30 times what was sown in you, right? This is the good soil. If we put ourselves here and say, yeah, I don't really want to be identified with the failure of the hard path and the failure of the rocky and the failure of the thorns. I'd really rather believe that I'm for God and he's for me and the good soil. That would be great. So then he produces a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, the question is, what in the world does this look like to produce a crop? What does it look like to produce a crop? Now, I have a a helpful illustration up here. I hope it will be helpful for us. Um, I'm not going to ride this thing or otherwise uh, get on it yet. Here's, Here's what I'd like to suggest. There's at least two different ways that we can look at the problem of answering the question of what does it look like to produce a crop? Okay. On the one hand, we can lean a little bit heavy on this side. And this side says this, that producing a crop, we kind of put the weight of evidence down here and hope it stays okay, the weight of evidence here that producing a crop actually means producing. You're doing things. You're creating. You're innovating. You're working. You're creating something that is the work of your hands You are creating that. So we go back to the the book of Genesis, and we see, hey, before sin entered the world, God created man to do work, okay? So work is not the result of the fall. I don't care how bad your job is, right? That's a whole other issue that has to do with sinfulness between human people, relationships, and all that sin, okay? But work as it stands as kind of a separate idea, work is God given to us, right? This is God is, he has made us in his image. Therefore, for us, work being producers is something that God has made us to do, to produce stuff, to create things, which is why we have so many things that have been created by mankind. This is a God-given deal. Some of you think about the parable of the talents in the New Testament. This is another parable that Jesus tells, and he says, hey, some guy was given five you know, bags of gold or talent. was given two bags of gold or talent, and one was just given one. And the, five, the guy given five, what did he do? He went out and, yeah, he reproduced that. He multiplied that, and he came back with ten. And then the guy given two comes back and kind of does the same thing. He had two, and he reproduced two. And the guy with one, what did he do? He buried the thing. He had one, and he was afraid that if I, if I lose this, my master's going to be upset, so I'm going to save it. In other words, I'm not going to produce something. I'm just going to kind of hold it. And at the end of the day, the guy with one is chastised for not producing, right? For not doing something with what was given to him. This is, this is reality. So you can look biblically and say, hey, even, I think even Paul, right? Wasn't Paul, does not he an important guy? He even said things like, be prepared in season and out of season. Preach the word. Get it out there. Be ready. In other words, work, work, work. Produce, produce, produce. This is part of who we're made to be is people who produce. And so within my business, right, within my company, within the job that I have, am I creating environments for people um, for their benefit, for their growth, for their glory, for their honor, right? Am I creating uh, packages for my employees that really honor them and what they do? Am I creating within my families opportunities for my kids to grow in very specific ways? Some of us are Are kind of hold back is, I'm not sure I should produce that or create that. We are made to create and produce. And so we can look at the question of what does it look like to have the good seed and say, man, the bulk of the biblical evidence is, you know, man, mm, work with your hands, produce, create something. Do something. Do something. Very tangible. Do something. Okay? And then we go over here on this side of the seesaw. We say, yes, but... Isn't there also something like in John 15 that says, if you try to do things without Jesus, like it's worthless? Isn't there also this thing in John 15 that says, if you try to do anything outside of me, you're not going to get anywhere? Isn't there something in Galatians 5 about like the fruit of the Spirit? Something about the fruit of the Spirit is love, love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Isn't that something in there too? That's not really creating organizations or writing blogs or books or, or building a system for my kids to understand the faith more. That's not really that. It really is actually the development of character. That the fruit of the Spirit is actually the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of you or the fruit of me. In other words, I don't get better at the fruit of the Spirit by writing the fruit down on a list and putting it on my wall and say, I need to be more loving, I need to be more joyful, I need to be more patient. That's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of me. And so the Spirit does the work within me, Right? So there seems to be kind of this evidence biblically that that somehow like the good soil has to do with my my character, right? It has to do with my character, and so we have we can look at it kind of both ways. That somehow we're kind of we're made to produce, right? We're made to do things, and yet, yet at the same time, we're kind of made to be the right kind of people, right? I mean, we're made to be people who are loving, joyful, patient, peaceful, and isn't it true that we honor both types of people? in our world. Isn't it true that many of you who started businesses or who are um, trying to figure out how to do parenting well or whatever it is you might be trying to do, you know, retirement planning or, you know, getting into uh, real estate or whatever you're trying to get into, you look at people who've produced in your field, right? You don't really care if they're nice or not. You just want to know this person has been successful in doing something with the work of their hands. So they're going to be advising me. Okay, I'm I'm going to be... Be glad to go to them and learn about how they produce fruit in their work. Then there's other times when you're like, Man, yeah, I know that that person can build a great business, but they're just a jerk, right? Like they're just, they're just hard-hearted and they don't care about employees. They don't care about that. I know, I've talked to people who work for them and they just they demonstrate nothing of character. And so when I'm discouraged, right, when I need someone to talk to, when I need someone who can give me wisdom and advice, I'm, I'm going to go to someone whose character has been developed. I don't really care if you've written a best-selling book. And I don't really care if you've created a winning organization. I just want to know, is there a fruit of the Spirit in your life? Really, right? And we, we, we have room in our culture for both, right? And so the question becomes, what in the world does it look like? If I'm going to say, man, listen, the goods, I want my life to be about the good soil. And that means multiplication. Does it mean that I just need to do more, right? Does it mean that I just need to work more and create more? Or does it mean that somehow the Spirit of God has to work through me to develop my character? Let's try to bring this down with this question that I'm asking. What does it mean to produce? And let me suggest this way. What if we think in those old categories, those traditional categories of head, heart, and hands? In other words, what if we think, okay, Everyone hears, right? Everyone hears the message. So in my mind, I'm hearing the message. And then what do I do with it through my head? What do I do in my heart and my hands? What if I ask then this question? What are my head, heart, and hands producing that are life-giving to those around me? What are my head, heart, and hands producing that are life-giving to those around me? If I want to reflect in my world legitimately on whether my heart is good soil, I have to ask, okay, is the fruit of the Spirit evident in me? In other words, do people who are around me see my heart, right? See the character in my heart and my life and get life from that? Seriously, when you, when you walk into work and it's a stressful week and this person is kind of beating up on that person verbally or emotionally, I mean, you, you know this happens. They're talking kind of behind the back and there's, yeah, they make more and I wish they made more. And then you get a call from a family member at home and it's like, I can't believe that dad's doing that. And mom and my sister did this and you can't, but don't tell them. I'm upset. You know, we're not going to talk about that. Is there a sense of the people who are around you receiving life from you, receiving life, love and joy, peace, patience, having their heart and mind directed back to God, a very specific application for our children who are moved directly by our character as parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts are the people that are around you given life by how your heart is exemplifying the fruit of the spirit okay are people around me receiving life-giving things then the second reality is okay how are my hands producing how are my hands producing something that's life-giving. And this is where some of you get, get jazzed about. This is where some of you are like, I don't have any idea how to create anything. I don't know. Just tell me where to serve and I'll serve. For those who are like that, I'm like, good, good. Because we have Wednesday night blast stuff coming up, right? I mean, come on, let's, let's get to it. Let's create something within our, our culture and within our organization, which we're creating things we're creating opportunities, environments for our children, for the next generation to learn and see who in the world God is. Some of you who want to get involved in men's ministry or women's ministry or small group, right, right, right after church, creating environments for our people to grow. Some of you have need to need to write. Some of you need to blog. I hate to say we need more blog bloggers in the world, but perhaps we do. Some of you need to relook at your organization, the business that you run, the way that you function and say, what is it that I now need to create within the structure of how I work and how I treat my employees that is life-giving to my employees? Because as someone who's planted in the good soil, if the expectation is that I produce, I produce in my heart by giving life to those around me, that there's a sense that I have something to offer, but I also produce in my hands. It's very godly to do that, to create an environment, an organization where your employees are honored, are respected, are treated more than fair and are given a great opportunity for them to learn about the glory and majesty and power of God while they work with you and for you. What is it that you need to create? And this is where we create things like Together Initiative. We're partnered with five different organ- four different organizations in our community. And some of you, that might spur some ideas. Like, man, we need to create more. There are some more needs in this community that we haven't addressed. And how can I create something to meet those needs, to produce something? To reach out and help and hope to provide for people who right now are hurting and need to see the love of God. Some of us need to do that. Need to take the courage to step into those areas. So the question is, in what ways are my head, heart, and hands producing life-giving opportunities or environments for people that are around me? See, if I want to say that I've got the good soil, that yes, I am committed to the things of God. The good soil produces a crop 160 30 times. The good soil does not sit there and hope that it's good soil. The good soil does not sit there and think as long as I'm faithful and coming enough, that's good enough. The good soil does not think just kind of hope I'll turn into somebody more godly someday. The good soil has a plan. The good soil has an initiative. The good soil has this passion, this desire, this interest to say, God, make something of my life. Develop my heart. Use my hands to create within this world where you have placed me the opportunity to be life-giving to people around me, to produce and create 160, 30 times what was sown in me. I don't know where that lands for you specifically, but this issue is so real for us. It produces, it creates. This is part of the good soil. We've covered four soils in our series. And to be honest, we all land in different parts of them. Four soils. The first is the path and the hard heart that rejects the truth. The second is the rocky soil, the shallow faith that stumbles during hardship. The third is the thorns that struggle to trust God more than money and our stuff. And finally, the good soil, the fruitful life. And if we're honest, okay, we, we land in all of these at different times. Right? If we're honest, we land in all of these in different times. There's some things that I just reject and I know are, not, are true and I have a hard time believing. There's times when I just struggle through hardship. There's times I want to trust money more than God. And there's times that I hope that somehow I'm producing something. So where does it land for you right now? If the question comes back to where am I right now related to this core value, uh, I don't have it up here now, related to this core value that God is in charge, The beginning, middle, and end of the day. He's in charge and what he wants goes. If that is true, if that is true, how much authority am I willing to give God and his word in my life right now? In what one area, in what one area right now? And for, for some of you, it might be, I just don't believe God about this, or I'm going through a hardship on this thing and I just wish that I were and I'm not. And, I, and I, mm, I'm struggling to trust God compared to money and resources in my future. Or finally, you know what? I need to produce something. I need to create. I need to rethink and innovate what I do and how I do it. I need God to work in my character in this way what is it? What one thing? At the end of the day, the seed of the kingdom of God is planted. And yes, it lands in all places for us. It lands in all places for me. But at the end of the day, we want, I know you want this too, the seed to land in good soil that will produce a crop 160 and 30 times over soon. And that never happens by accident. Let's pray. Our good God and Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity this morning to be here. To reflect on the truth of your word and this parable and this story. I pray for us this morning that you give us courage to look again and ask the question of where am I producing? And where is the life-giving message of Jesus coming through in my character and in the work of my hands? What am I producing? What am I creating? And what is being created and produced within me that offers life to the people around me? And I pray that you would strengthen and renew us, Father, to trust you, to obey you, no matter what comes. That when we go through the difficult times of being on the path or being planted, we feel like in the rocks or the thorns kind of pushing out the things of this life, that that we could trust you, that we could obey you to lead us to walk in the way in which you have led out for us to do. I pray that you give us that courage and that vision together this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.